that's uh, now one less uh, passage we'll have to read. Uh, we've had that one presented to us beautifully. Now, as we come into this uh, uh, journey, this uh, closing uh, sermon um, and engagement with God-loving justice, we'll first hear um, from uh, Jennifer um, on video for our uh, um, sermon. Of course, she's here to correct it or add anything to it if she wants as well. Hey, friends. I have a question for you. Do you have a hero Lots of us do. Sometimes it's a superhero like Spider-Man or Batman or the Black Panther. Sometimes it's a singer or a dancer, maybe an actor or actress. Well, I have a hero that I just love uh, to, to think about and to talk about. His name is Harry Potter. And you may know him because he's really famous from some books that were written about him. Also, some movies that were made about him. Now, Harry is a little boy who's living in a closet underneath the stairs in a little tiny town in England. And all of a sudden, uh, this magical person comes into his life and tells him, Harry, you're a wizard. You can do magic. And then it begins this huge adventure of Harry basically learning how to do magic so that he can save the world from this really terrible evil person. Well, did you know that in the Bible there is one big hero and his name is Jesus and he is talked about all throughout the Bible. Well, Pastor Drew is going to tell you some stories about him today and talk a little bit more about why he's the biggest hero ever in history. But I wanted to read you a little bit um, of what we're going to talk about today from the Bible. So this is from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet, which just means he had some words from God to tell God's people. And this is what he said about the hero Jesus. He said, a green shoot will sprout from Jesse's stump, from his roots a budding branch. The life-giving spirit of God will hover over him, and the spirit that brings wisdom and understanding, the spirit that gives direction, gives direction to us and builds strength, the spirit that instills knowledge and a fear of God. Fear of God will be all his joy and delight. He won't judge by appearances. He won't decide on the basis of hearsay, what people, what other people say. He will judge the needy by what is right. And he will render his decisions on earth's poor with justice. The things that he decides will be done in justice. His words will bring everyone to awed attention, meaning their jaws are going to drop at the things that he says. A mere breath from his lips will topple the wicked. It's just going to send them knocking down. Each morning he will put on sturdy work clothes and boots and he will build righteousness and faithfulness in the land. Now I tell you what, that is a hero, right? That's a superhero. And he even has a costume, it says. Um, So why is Jesus the hero of the Bible? Because he came to make things the way that God meant them to be. And we've been talking a lot about justice in this past month. 
And basically what justice is, is putting all things right, putting it back to the way that God intended it to be before it got broken by sin. So Jesus is our great superhero. And he's not pretend like Harry Potter and he's not pretend like Spider-Man. He is real and he has real power to do all the things that we need him to do in this world to make it right and good again. So I really hope that you will learn more about Jesus this week. I hope that you will see uh, what a great and awesome hero we have in him. And I hope that you will listen to Pastor Drew now as he shares a little bit more. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you, uh, Jennifer. Great, great word. That Jesus is our hero who makes all things right. Uh, now, you hear that, you're like, okay, Jesus makes all things right. He's still got some work to do. Man, you sort of look around and all things aren't right yet. Well, what we're going to look at today is particularly what we know are Jesus's plans to, to make all things right. We're going to look at that, that day at the end when he returns and makes all things right. That, that day of, of judgment. Now, some folks say, oh, no, we don't need to talk about the day to come. We need to talk about the here and now. And, and I understand that. Understand, and some some folks maybe you've heard this saying before that that um, that that Christians are so heavenly minded they're of no earthly good. You heard that saying, and I understand where folks are coming from. But what I would say to you is, no, people who follow Jesus for for Christians, we we need to be rightly heavenly minded to be of any earthly good. We, we need to understand the, the fullness of, of heavenly truth, the fullness of the judgment day, because that, that speaks to us of what ultimately is important to our hero. That, that knowing the, the end, knowing Jesus' judgment, uh, where he shows us what he values the most, gives us then an understanding of what is important for us to do today. What is important for the here and now. I mean, it's many of you, I have experienced this, this season of cleaning out closets or basements. Uh, Rather, elementary, uh, jovial example to the day of judgment of God's wrath. But... What do we have to do when we clean out the closet? Well, what do I value? What do I keep? Maybe clean up? What do I destroy? Throw away? Get rid of? That's what happens on the judgment day. That Jesus returns and he he shows us what is it that he values? What does our hero, hero value the most? What has no eternal consequence and what lives on eternally forever? That's what his judgment um, reveals. So we're, we're going to take a look at that day. A, a variety of passages here to see what um, Jesus, uh, as Jennifer read from Isaiah, as the, the perfect judge. How does he judge what is good, uh, what is bad, what is just, what is unjust? How does he finish his work to make All things just. Let's pray. 
Uh, Almighty God, thank you for your written word that speaks to us of your eternal truth. Even in the the midst of our uncertainty, even in the the midst of our own brokenness and justice and uh, um, uh, injustice, uh, living together um, uh, all today, life and death all together. Lord, we know that you are the one who is true, who is good, who is just, who is life to the full. So speak to us uh, through this time. And that we might hear not only uh, your, your truth and reality, but also uh, continue to guide and lead us how we live that out in our lives, individually and as a church. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, so the first place we're going to look at, uh, this makes sense, as we talk about Judgment Day, we're going to look at the book of Revelation, a a couple times actually, because that is a picture of the Judgment Day. Now, the first passage we'll look at is Revelation 20, verses 10 through 15. And uh, uh, through, um, looks like we only got 11 up there. I, I made this change this morning. Sometimes that happens as I'm going through it one more time and uh, wasn't able to get that to uh, fill soon enough. But I, I'm going to start with verse 10 and then you'll see when I pick up with verse 11 on the screen. And this is the day of judgment. This is the day that Jesus returns. And I'm picking it up mid-sentence, but you'll, you'll get it. I want you to listen to what are the things that are destroyed here. And the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. That's Jesus. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Upon returning, Jesus destroys all that is evil. I mean, as we, we see here at the very beginning, the devil, the false prophet, the, the, the beast, they're, they're all destroyed. And they all are representing from the book of Revelation the things that are evil and unjust in our world. They are now thrown, destroyed, thrown out for good. And then we see the, the judgment of God on all people, the judgment on God, even on death and Hades. Hades is the meaning, the place where dead are. All of that, that, even death itself is judged and destroyed. So what is evil, what is wicked, what is unjust are gone. Upon returning, Jesus destroys all that is evil forever. Now, if you continue on, Revelation 21, verse 22 through 27. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun 
or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives its light and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day. And there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter into it. Nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So we see upon returning, Jesus destroys what is evil. And upon returning, Jesus collects all that is good. And and as we'll see, he collects and purifies all that is good. And we we see here that he he um, uh, we, that God is present in such a way that we don't even need the sun or the moon any longer. That His glory is shining, and all are living by the light of our Creator. And that what enters into this, uh, the nations and kings of the earth, will bring even their glory into it. So what what glory and honor there are of the nations enters into this place, but nothing that is unclean. And again, the same ending that He had. Uh, earlier, only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, now, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But just put that in the parking lot for a moment. What I want us to see that upon returning, Jesus destroys all that is evil. And Jesus now collects and purifies all that is good. Um, even does that individually. We've, we've looked at this uh, passage before, but I want to remind us now of 1 Corinthians 3. Sorry, we're really jumping, jumping around. But it captures together what this judgment day brings. But 1 Corinthians um, chapter 3, verse 10, the Apostle Paul's writing this letter to the church in Corinth, and he's speaking about his work, the work that he's doing in, in, as a, an apostle, and relating it to others and their work, and um, how it will get judged on that day. All right, verse, verse 10, 1 Corinthians 3. According to the grace of God given to me, a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. So again, he's speaking of our work and the work of, of the church, of, of Jesus' people as in a building metaphor. Jesus is the foundation, and then we all build upon the work of those that went before us. For, verse 11, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, it'll be known, for the day, the judgment day, see how the day is capitalized, for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So this is... Relating that judgment, that same judgment of destroying what is evil, collecting and purifying what is good to those whose names are written in the book of life. To those who have been saved from the, the judgment 
of destruction. And now through the judgment of collecting and refining, they're a part of that. Paul compares our lives um, to different elements. You know, the wood, the hay, um, the straw. Those are the the things that we do that are not part of the the justice, the goodness, the righteousness of God. And they are destroyed when they go through fire. What happens to wood, hay and straw? It's destroyed. The the things that God does us, does in and through us that are good, that are just, that are righteous. Those are the things that are compared to gold, silver, precious stones. For they go through fire and they are purified. Upon returning, Jesus destroys what is evil and he collects and purifies all that is good. And as we just were, um, uh, just had presented to us in Matthew 25, you, we, we know that passage as well where Jesus is using judgment day as that day to say those who did not care for the vulnerable, for those who were prison or, or, or poor or hungry, they, he, he, he said, You go to this place of destruction. Those who did come to this place of life. Again, demonstrating what is valuable to Jesus. Demonstrating to us what is eternal. Upon his return, the just judge destroys what is evil, purifies what is good for all of eternity. So that he he makes a dwelling that is perfectly just forever. Now, um, Isaiah 65 helps to capture that. Probably my, one of my favorite passages um, of that. Just, it's an earthy expression of, of heaven. An earthy expression of that, that day of judgment and the results of judgment. When God renews heaven and earth. And this is Isaiah 65, verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old and a sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build another. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall gaze, graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in my holy mountain, says the Lord. 
I mean, a picture here of justice fulfilled, the the three-legged stool that we've been talking about of God's justice, of, of human value, human equity, human flourishing. It's fulfilled in this beautiful picture of no one laboring in vain, of the, the labor, the creative energy and juices that are used are fulfilled and people enjoy the fruit of their labor. And all flourish together. There's, there's no picture here of someone flourishing at the expense of another. It is all flourishing together as God created it to be. Upon returning, God not only, or Jesus not only destroys what is evil, collects and purifies all that is good, but he makes everything just. All is made as it was created to be. Now there's one more then specific item to address that I've mentioned all along, told you to put on the parking lot. Let's bring it back um, into the headlights now. Those whose names are written in the book of life. The, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. These are, are the ones we're told that survive the ultimate judgment and are a part of that cleansing, purifying judgment. Who are they? Well, I want to, to look at Romans 3. This is our last passage. Thank you for hanging with me in this going this ping pong match uh, throughout the, the scriptures to put together a more holistic picture of this last day to see what is important um, to Jesus. But starting with verse 20 of uh, Romans chapter 3, we find out who's in the Lamb's book of life and why are they there. For by works of the law... This is verse 20. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Now what this is telling us in verse 20, and will tell us a little later on the passage as well, um, but I want to highlight the word justified here. That, the, that no one is made just by their own works. No one is just because they're good enough. No one is made right because they do all the right things or they act perfectly according to God's system of justice. No one is able to do that. So it's not by our goodness, our justice or our righteousness. But verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested, again been displayed apart from the law, Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. Now again, that word justified means to be made just. To be made righteous. Actually, every time you see righteousness here, it's actually the same word. So when we talk about the righteousness of God, we could just as easily be saying here, could just as easily translate this, the justice of God. Because to be justified, to be made just, is to be made righteous. And that's why in the Old Testament you see those words justice and righteousness so commonly next to one another. 
But what he makes clear to us here is that we are made just. We are made right. Not by anything we have done, but by the work of Jesus Christ. He is our redemption. He, he purchased us. He, he purchased our justice. He's the one who makes us just before God. We're justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation, another big word, as an offering, as an offering, a substitute by His blood to be received by faith. Again, the second time we've seen faith here in 22, the righteousness of God is through faith. Here, the offering by His blood is to be received by faith. So the folks who are in the Lamb's book of life are those who who place their faith in Jesus. That the reason they make it through the judgment of God is not because of their goodness, not because of their works, but because of the good works of Jesus who has taken their place. Upon returning, Jesus makes you just. Upon returning, Jesus makes me just. Jesus makes all who believe, trust, follow him just before a righteous, holy, just judge. It's in, um, well, let me finish reading this passage. This was to show, all right, verse uh, 20, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he's passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness or to show his justice at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He maintains his pure justice and judgment by sending his son to take our place, to die on the cross, to be raised to new life. As Paul says in his late letter, later letter to the Corinthians, he who knew no sin became sin on your behalf so that you might become the righteousness of God in Jesus. That's the justice of God ultimately expressed through his love by inviting any and all whosoever will believe in Jesus have him take our place at the judgment so that we, our names, are written in the book of life. That's the grand act of sacrificial love of our just judge who declares us guilty, comes down from the throne, and takes our place. And that is for any and all. And so if you're, you're hearing this today, for the first time. And you're saying, that's it? I mean, it's that I, I believe, I trust in, in Jesus. I'm interested in that. I mean, it may just be, I'm in, you're interested in having your name written in the book of life. So am I. I. I want that for you. And I can tell you it's more than just that ticket to heaven. But it is a life lived in the fullness of God's glory and beauty in the midst of our brokenness. In the midst of the evil that is around us. So I invite you to consider Jesus' invitation and his gift for you to to simply follow him, to trust 
in Him. Believe, follow, trust Him. To start a journey today with Him. If you're interested in that, I invite you to come back for the, the series in the next five weeks. We move to a series called Face to Face. Jesus Face to Face. Where we have Jesus encounters with individuals throughout the, the New Testament. Where he lays this out to individual people and says, come, follow me. Believe me. Trust me. And addresses their issues, their concerns, their, their life questions. Or and invite you to, to come on board. We start an alpha class. or It's a small group. It's a Zoom small group. And alpha is one where we engage with one another, engage with the scriptures, engage with different talks to, to really encounter Jesus, to explore him, to seek him, to understand him. And with an invita- a hope that you will follow him and trust him. Because he is the one who brings life. Also, uh, though Jesus is, is the one who makes us just, uh, not um, uh, upon his return. Uh, this is also a, a reminder, even a warning to those of us who are in Jesus now. The, those of us who have trusted in Jesus, those of us who, who believe that Jesus has saved us and rescued us. Remember this. He didn't just save you to give you a ticket for that judgment day. He saved you for today. Remember that I said at the beginning about being rightly heavenly minded, what truly makes us of earthly good? Well, remember that Jesus has saved you so that you will now be growing and formed by him. You will be about his justice in this world. Because now you, you know that you're secure in Jesus no matter what. It's not about you doing, you don't do good in order to earn God's favor. It's because we've received God's amazing grace, full favor, full love, the security of knowing we are in him forever. Now we're freed to give our lives towards God's justice in the midst of this broken world. In the midst of a place where death still impacts us. Where evil is still real. Where Babies still die. Where people don't die, don't, don't live the fullness of their life. Where certain flourishing is at the expense of the oppression of another. We still live in that reality now, but Jesus has freed us from that, knowing that in our heavenly understanding is that one day He's coming, He will destroy what is evil. He will collect and purify all that is good. He will make everything just. And he has promised to make you just and me just. Matter of fact, the reason he's done that so that we will be a demonstration of that to the world around us. So that others might jump on board. Come be a part of the team. Now, if there's a, if there's a, 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 a summary of recognizing that God loves justice and what that means for, for us is that justice is central to Jesus and Jesus is central to justice. And what we see here is that justice does not occur unless Jesus is in the heart of it. That, that his very judgment is according to what is just, what is right. He is the one who is just judge and defines what is justice for us. So justice is central to Jesus. 
That's why he, he could use a passage like Matthew 25 to, to tell us what is so central to him upon his judgment. And the other is that justice is central, that Jesus is central to justice in that justice is impossible without him. I mean, that's really what Romans 3 is saying. If, if we're going to try to be just by our own power, our own strength, forget it. It's not going to happen. It's a, it's a spiritual power of, of evil and destruction that is greater than even our combined forces of everyone here or watching. It, it is the work of Jesus. Jesus is central to justice. We can't do this on our own. He, he is, that's why He has called us. That's why He is forming us. That's why His Holy Spirit lives in us to strengthen us and empower us to do the justice He calls us to do today, to be, uh, to bring pleasure to God because He loves justice, to be a witness to a broken world, to be a compelling invitation to those who long for justice. Justice is central to Jesus and Jesus is central to justice. So may May we, as as his people, as his hands and his feet, may we spend time looking, listening to the, the vulnerable around us. Being aware of those needs. What are those areas? Keep our eyes and ears open. And then there comes a time of, of then you may be in a place where now it's time to speak. You need to listen. You need to, need to watch. You need to look. But there's also time to speak. There's time to break the silence. Whether it's in your own neighborhood, community, your workplace, your school, your own life, the the world. There's times where it's time to speak and to to break the the silence so that we not allow the way of the world to continue to rule in our presence. And then finally, there's times that we act. We take steps to change it. But here, this is the good news. This goes back to the, the, the whole point of recognizing this is the purpose of Jesus' judgment. That a day, everything that is good is eternal. Do, do you recognize that when we give someone who's thirsty a cup of cold water in the name of, of Jesus, we are a part of the eternal reality of what Jesus values, what he keeps, what he collects, what he then purifies for all of eternity. There's no such thing as just a drop in the bucket. What you do, what we do, that's a part of God's justice, lasts forever. Because it's by His power within us, His collection of what is good, and His purifying work to what He has done in and through us. So whatever... Whatever little step we take, whatever word we say, whatever small step of act, that is a part of what Jesus collects and purifies and has impact, meaning for all of eternity. May we indeed be a people who are so heavenly minded that we are of inestimable earthly good. Amen.